Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Tuesday night, and you know exactly what that means. It's time for the real conversation with Shayna Thornton. Let's talk America with hopes. Shayna Thornton is your radio talk show spotlighting the critical issues of today. She is certain to feature expert guests and celebrities each and every Tuesday night. She is a celebrated newspaper columnist, popular blogger, and award-winning radio talk show personality who has a passion for groundbreaking discussions. Here she is. Let's welcome the one and only, the engaging host for the national show. Please give it up for Shana Thornton. Well, good Tuesday evening, everyone, and welcome to your national award-winning family radio talk show, Let's Talk America, with your host, Shana Thornton. Of course, I am Shana, and I'm both excited and honored that you have opted to join us this Tuesday night live. It is November the 3rd, 2015. This year is almost over, and there's been so much in the news. And of course, your weekly family show likes to spotlight the issues and topics that matter to you. And of course, we always aim to feature celebrity guests and experts that can offer their take and perspective. Well, tonight we are covering a very timely event. We are talking about the incident at Spring Valley High School in Columbia, South Carolina, where a school resource officer approached a student after it was told that she had disrupted the class over a cell phone, and ultimately what came from it, he threw her in her desk across the room. We're going to talk about that. I'm no legal expert. I'm no law enforcement expert, but we have two individuals with us tonight that have that expertise and experience. We have back on with us legal expert. You've seen her all over the television and radio. We have Beth Harris on. Of course, she has many years as a prosecutor, and she's still an attorney, and she's going to offer her take on everything that happened. And also, we have a very important conversation with a seasoned and veteran law enforcement officer. He has been chief of police. He served in many other roles um, throughout this nation. He's going to talk about what happened so we can have his perspective also. This is a complete show. We want want to talk about issues that matter and, of course, offer you the guests that can give you all of that information, okay? So you have to stay with us. Right now, message all of your family, friends, and colleagues, and let them know that Let's Talk America Radio is on. It's Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, rather. We're back. Uh, We had a fallback if you're on the East Coast uh, this past Sunday. All right, everybody? Also, quickly, you can hashtag LTA Radio, LTA Radio. Right now, let everybody know that you are tuned in, okay? Instagram, Twitter, wherever you are. We're about to kick this show off for tonight, Tuesday, November the 3rd, 2015. Let's get it going, everybody. LTA Radio is in your ear. Are you looking for a family-based radio talk show that addresses the relevant issues and concerns of today? You have found the right option. Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton is your award-winning radio talk show that's for every member of the family. We feature meaningful conversations each and every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Check out our brand-new website by visiting www.letstalkamericawithshanathornton.com. Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton is talking radio with substance. Tune in. I'm not a survivor just because I lived through the attempted murder on my life. I'm a survivor because in spite of the attempted murder, I never gave up. 
This is Sherry Graves, author, inspirational speaker, and CEO of Beyond Your Scars. I'm very excited to partner with Shayna Thornton, host of Let's Talk America. For 25 years, I've lived with second and third degree burn scars covering 30% of my body and a house fire that was set to kill me. Now, that flame continues to burn as my living testimony. I invite you, I challenge you to join my Embrace Your Scars and Redefine Your Beauty Experience campaign. I really need your help to spread the word that there is beauty in the deepest places of our scars. My mission is to set a new trend that will spread throughout the world. Connect with me on my website, www.sherrygraves.com, where you can also purchase my tell-all book, A Fire Within, Someone Set a Fire and Let Me Forget, inspired by my true life story. And stay tuned for the debut of my Beyond Your Scars YouTube channel and blog. As a licensed clinical social worker, I offer personal development keys at my seminars, keys that help transform how I feel about myself. Now, I'm sharing these same keys to empower you to feel better about yourself. As a survivor of sexual assault, domestic violence, and attempted murder, I represent women and men all around the world. If you are looking for a speaker, someone who not only works in my professional career with survivors of abuse, but because of my own personal experiences with these same victimizations, my passion is to share love, hugs, and education in support of your organization. Email me at s and the number one grave at msn.com to join my campaign and simply say, Sherry, I want to be a part of keeping the flame burning. Thank you, God, for healing my deepest wounds, transforming them and redefining what true inner beauty is to me. Now, I feel you to embrace your scars. I'm Sherry Grace. Love you. As always, stay blessed. Thank you. Of course, I would be remiss if I did not thank all of our national partners and sponsors for their continued support. It makes all of the difference. Hey, if you're interested in partnering with us as an advertiser, simply shoot us a quick email at letstalkshana at gmail.com. Again, that's letstalkshana at gmail.com, okay? And we will certainly take care of you. Well, I also want to thank all of our weekly listeners. Hey, your support is Priceless. Thanks for tuning back in to your show. Hey, and for those, if it's your first time, we appreciate it also. I think you're going to like this family program. And, of course, if you miss any of this or any segment, the last 20 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever, do know that you can listen back in at your convenience on our replay podcast. You can visit our website at www.letstalkamerica with shanathornton.com to catch all of the segments or any show that you want, you just visit Replay Podcast. Or if you have any Apple products, you can go to iTunes. We're there now on podcasts, and we're very excited about that option. So if you're on iTunes listening to any of your favorite music, go to podcasts and look up Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton, and you will find us there also. 
Well, everyone, it's time for our signature in the news, where we highlight the important national and global issues that matter to you. I do want to make a quick note to remind everyone that we're now on television. Of course, Let's Talk America Radio has partnered with SCB Channel 182 News, where we deliver the televised version of In the News Weekly. If you're interested in ever seeing any of that footage, do visit the website at www.letstalkamerica with Shana Thornton. Com, okay, um, or you can simply visit the website at scbtv.com. But we are very uh, excited and thrilled to be a part of that option for you, keeping you informed because that's what matters. Well, we're set to deliver in the news for the week of November the third, twenty fifteen. In the news, seeking answers for fatal airplane crash. Government investigators are working to determine the cause of the crash of a Russian airliner in Egypt's Sinai Peninsula Saturday, October 31st, that killed all 224 people on board. Russian aviation authorities have publicly shared that the plane broke apart in the air, but that the cause is still uncertain. A terrorist group has claimed responsibility, but Russia and Egypt both have dismissed the claim. We will keep you updated as more details roll out. In the news, food illness strikes popular food chain. 22 cases of E. coli infection have been traced to the popular Chipotle restaurants in Oregon and Washington. The locations closed abruptly Friday, October the 30th. There have been no fatalities from this recent health scare. State health officials did not say which ingredients in the food might have caused the outbreak. In the news, school resource officer terminated for classroom incident. Richland County Sheriff Deputy Ben Fields has been fired for his recent behavior in a Columbia, South Carolina high school classroom. The officer, who was a school resource officer and assistant football coach at Spring Valley High School, was seen on video throwing a teen female student from her desk. Richland County Sheriff Leon Lott justified his decision to terminate Fields. Lott is quoted as specifically saying the deputy broke protocol when he threw the student across the class. The FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office have both opened a civil rights investigation. And, of course, that is the topic of discussion tonight on Let's Talk America Radio, so do stick with us. And lastly, in the news, NFL football is back in full effect. Pro football is back, and there are some big game outcomes for you we would like to briefly review. Of course, Atlanta Falcons took a defeat to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The score was Tampa Bay 23, Atlanta 20. And lastly, for our sports update, Washington Seahawks defeated the Dallas Cowboys. That score was 13 to 12. Well, that concludes our In the News for the week of November the 3rd, 2015. Do stay with us as Let's Talk America Radio delivers the news that matters. We keep you informed. Okay, everyone? And of course, for more information, you can simply visit www.letstalkamericawithshanathornton.com. And there you can find out more information on any news updates and so much more. Okay, everyone? Well, keeping with tradition, we will go right into our quote of tonight. Our statement now comes from Ralph Waldo Emerson, who once said, Our strength grows out of our weakness. 
Again, the great philosopher Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, our strength grows out of our weakness. And what an obvious statement that I believe is true. You know, we may face many challenges throughout our lives. In fact, I can't think of one human being who has not had ups and downs. But we have to focus on the healing period, if you will, where things can get better and ultimately we survive. Okay? So I hope our quote of tonight inspires and motivates you. Again, tonight's segment is putting the spotlight on the classroom incident that happened days ago that was caught on video, a cell phone video, captured everything that went down when officer, school resource officer Ben Fields entered a classroom over a situation where a student, a female teen student, refused to put up her cell phone. She was disrupting the classroom. The classroom teacher uh, sought to take care of the situation. That did not work. Um, What it's being reported is that then a vice principal or assistant principal was called into the room to address the situation. That did not work, and then ultimately the law enforcement officer was called in. And if you recall properly, we could ultimately see um, at the end of the video, she, the teen student, was thrown by Officer Fields from her desk, okay? So we're going to talk about all of that tonight. I know there are lots of emotions on both ends. We did hear from some of you, and I promise we will air your opinions tonight, okay? So we'll let all the opinions be heard as much as possible. If we don't get to you, uh, please forgive us. Um, You know, you can resubmit or send us an email and we'll find a way to get that information out there, okay? So we do want to be a vehicle, an outlet, if you will, that delivers uh, news in a responsible way. And of course, we take questions and take those comments from our dedicated and loyal listeners and also our new listeners also. We're going to go right to a caller right now, again, putting the spotlight on that classroom incident in Columbia, South Carolina. And then we're going to bring in our exclusive featured guest, Beth Karras, will join us first. Here's a caller. In my opinion, um, Officer Ben Fields, he went too far. Uh, I do understand that officers are in a position of authority, but that doesn't give you the right to manhandle a child. However, as an educator, I do feel that the the children in today's society are really, really getting out of control, and I'm not justifying what he did, but maybe, hopefully, other children can look at this and learn that they could very well be next. Listeners of your national award-winning family radio talk show, Let's Talk America, with your host, Shana Thornton, it is Tuesday night, and we are having a conversation about timely news incidents. And if you have been living under a rock, maybe you don't know, but by now most of us have seen the video that has gone viral of a school police resource officer in Columbia, South Carolina, Spring Valley High School to be exact, where he approaches a student in a classroom, and ultimately the student, the teenage student, is picked up and thrown from her death. There are a lot of emotions. There are a lot of opinions about what happened. A lot of individuals, a lot of our listeners have expressed dismay and uh, very uh, devastating emotions with this. But there are those who listen to the show also that have justified and defended the officer's actions. Um, right now, we have with us a legal expert, a legal mind that I'm always impressed with. We have Beth Karras on with us. She's a friend of Let's Talk America. She's been on us with us before to dissect uh, different uh, cases of potential legal cases. How are you doing this Tuesday night, Beth? 
I am just fine, Shana, and thank you so much for having me back. Oh, our pleasure. You're great. All of our listeners really enjoy having you on because you have the experience and expertise that many people look for. Now, let's get right to this um, this case, if you will, a potential case. Um, we know that the federal government is investigating, but the school resource officer, um, he's a sheriff's deputy. Uh, his name is Ben Fields. He has been terminated by Sheriff Leon Lott out of Columbia, South Carolina, or rather Richland County, um, where the sheriff has jurisdiction um, in Columbia. Tell us, Elizabeth, what's next legally for this case? Well, we do know from reports that the U.S. <clears throat> excuse me, the U.S. Justice Department is in investigating. Now, they look at uh, far more incidents than those that really result in a federal. <clears throat> excuse me. Now, <clears throat> I'm having a hard time here. Then, uh, then cases actually get filed. In other words, there are far more incidents that don't result in okay. necessarily uh, in uh, a case. However, it's possible there could be civil rights, uh, a civil rights case, civil rights violations seems to have taken place here. There could could be a case. Now, a state assault case, you know, I don't know. I have not heard that the state is looking into that. Doesn't mean they aren't. The, the punishment he may end up getting, ultimately only getting, is a termination of his job, and that is still pretty big punishment. Okay. So you're saying because, um, like you said, the reports have said that uh, the federal government is investigating, and I think that was um, at the request of Sheriff Leon Lott out of Richland County, which is Columbia, South Carolina, uh, you're saying don't necessarily expect for certain that criminal charges will be brought forth. Correct. Not necessarily. Okay. But it doesn't mean they won't. You know, when you look at a case to determine whether or not to bring charges, you, you look at all of the facts, and, and it's easy to actually file charges because that standard is probable cause. Probable cause to believe a crime has happened is easy. But prosecutors have to look and determine whether or not they feel they have proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Yes. Now, here you have this incident caught on, on, uh, on video, so that's pretty darn good. Okay. We all, as prosecutors, which I was once upon a time, wish we had the crimes we were prosecuting, prosecuting caught on tape. And here it actually is. But we've seen incidents caught on tape. Yes. Talk about Ferguson, Missouri. Okay. It didn't result in charges filed. So a video doesn't necessarily mean that, um, you know, you've got the proof positive. So what the DA would do is take into consideration what this young lady did. She's not innocent in this either. What happened to her was absolutely excessive. Okay. But you have to balance. You know what she did? She didn't mind the teacher. She didn't mind an administrator. Okay. And they were frustrated. They called in the police officer. And the police officer law enforcement type action, which was excessive, which wasn't, it, you know, he escalated the situation when he could have de-escalated it. In any event, so she's not entirely at fault either, even though what happened to her is, um, she's entirely not at fault, even though what happened to her is not, is, is certainly way more than what she did. Okay. You know, Matt, you obviously have experience as a prosecutor. Uh, you're an attorney. You've been an attorney for years, highly respected, highly sought after. Um, but you're also a human being, okay? And that's why I bring that up because this next question uh, I think is a very relevant one. Do you believe Officer Fields' actions were racially motivated? Do we know? You know, we don't know, but when you look at statistics, and I've been reading about them, that black students are more likely to to be suspended or okay. to have some, some kind of conduct like that taken against them. You know, you can't rule it out. You know, the sheriff doesn't believe it is. If I'm 
last week that, oh, Officer Fields has a black girlfriend. Okay. It means that somebody is dating as opposed to just a friend who, who happens to be black. I don't know. Okay. But that doesn't mean that it's not racially motivated. So I don't know that that I, I know enough to be able to comment on that. I see, definitely. And I'm sure there are those out there listening to us, and some may not be listening at this time, that will say because you are dating an African-American, all right, or a minority, I'm not sure that means that you may not have racism in you, Beth. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there that are saying, well, what does that mean, right? Because even when some individuals will say, well, I, I'm not racist, I'm not sexist, because I'm a guy, my best friend's a woman, and, and I, you know, I can't be racist because I have friends that are other, that are other ethnicity groups. But I'm sure, I don't know, again, I'm saying that I know a lot of people out there would say, that doesn't mean you're not racist. Correct. I, I agree with you there. So, but that's what the sheriff said. Um, at least that's what I read last week. Uh, and you know, it was a quick response saying, "No, this you know this guy is not racist." But it's 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 hard. I mean, it's hard to think that it's not. I mean, when you look at the situation, he's this big, beefy white cop who just seems to blow up at her and students who were quoted also in reports that they never saw him lash out so violently and they were rather wow. shocked because he's a football coach. Yes, that's right. That's what, yeah, he's assistant football coach for the high school. That's no more, obviously, because he has been terminated. Um, you know, tell me this. The young ladies uh, who was um, picked up and thrown, um, assaulted, if you will, she, her family has hired an attorney, okay? Does that attorney need to prove that this incident was racially motivated to have any sort of civil case or no, Beth? No, no, that would be an element that might strengthen their case, but I don't think that they need to prove it was racially motivated. They need to, well, I, I don't know what their aim is here, but if they just want to say if they're looking to have a civil suit, the civil suit doesn't have to be based upon race. Okay. Based upon his excessive conduct. And tell us this, Beth, we have listeners that come from many different backgrounds. Um, all of them are not as, uh, of course, uh, well-known with the law as you are. I'm surely not. Tell us very briefly the difference between what would be a criminal case or a civil case, because those two are very different, and I'm sure I'm just guessing that her attorney will likely pursue a civil claim. Correct. Well, civil cases result in money damages or an order from the court to stop doing a particular type of conduct. But okay. here they'd be seeking money damages. A crime is actually um, a kind of case that the state prosecutes and can get you a fine or probation or land you in jail or prison. So criminal cases are brought by prosecutors. Okay. And civil cases are brought by private attorneys. And I'm also assuming, this would be fair to say from our previous conversations, you don't need to prove as much in a civil case as you perhaps would in a criminal case? Correct. Okay. In a civil case, your standard is preponderance of the evidence, which really means more likely than not, 51% to 49%. Proof beyond a reasonable doubt doesn't have that kind of percentage measurement, but it's really hard. It's, I mean, it's hard for prosecutors to prove something beyond a reasonable doubt. Think of the cases where jurors have deadlocked because one or two of them just didn't think there was enough proof beyond a reasonable doubt okay. or an outright acquittal. Wow, and you're right, and I think that has left some people in awe when we look at some recent cases over the last few years where you're like, wait a minute, she got off, he got off, but you're right, I guess there are different circumstances when you have the responsibility as a jury member. 
That's right. And, you know, some states like Illinois, they don't even have a definition for reasonable doubt. But, you know, jurors are just left to, you know, figure it out. But most states will guide the jury in their instructions and, and how they how they are to determine if something is beyond reasonable doubt. Okay. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, beyond all doubt, but a reasonable doubt. Doubt yes. that you can state a reason. Okay. And not just what comes out in the mainstream media. Because those can be very different. The recent case that comes to my mind, and, and her name escapes me, the uh, young mother out of Florida where her baby went missing, yes. And, I mean, it seems like what we were being uh, told and reported in the news, I think a lot of people who are not legal, obviously, who don't come from a legal background like you. I'll tell you what a friend of mine, Tom Mesero, one of the best criminal defense attorneys in the country, in my opinion, he defended Michael Jackson uh, of child molestation. What he has told me, and he has also lectured to lawyer groups around the country, he said, whatever the media is saying, and they predict the outcome will be, it's going to be the opposite. Oh, wow. <laughs> In general, I mean, of course, with his experience, everybody had Michael Jackson locked up, he thrown out, and, wow. you know, scot free. So you're saying, obviously, there can be different evidence that's presented. You know, I, I want to ask you this question, dealing again, going back to the incident at Spring Valley High School in Columbia, South Carolina. I know that city uh, very, very well. The young girl, again, we're talking about tonight, uh, Tuesday night on Let's Talk America. The teenage student ultimately was picked up and thrown from her desk in a class. From what, it, uh, what we're being told, she refused to put up a, a, her cellular telephone, okay? The teacher called in what it seems to be someone from administration. I believe it was a vice or assistant principal. She continued to refuse. Then ultimately, the school resource officer, in other words, Sheriff Deputy Ben Fields, was called in. But Beth, parents, moms, dads, grandparents, aunts and uncles, neighbors everywhere likely want to know, does a law enforcement officer have the right to exert that kind of physical force onto a minor who's doing a non-threatening act. She, she was being disruptive, yes, but she didn't seem to me, from what I've seen, the videos that have gone viral, she didn't seem to be physically threatening anyone else. Does he have the right to use that sort of force on her, legally speaking? Well, I would say uh, no. Based on what we know, he does not. He did not have the right, and that is why he lost his job. He was not following procedure. He was way too excessive toward her. Okay. It didn't call for it. You know, as a lawyer, okay, a human being, but we're talking to you based off of your legal experience, highly regarded, Beth Karras, how would you have wanted this incident handled? Well, I think that the best way to handle it is not my idea. It's something that I read. It was a a suggestion, which is that he should have gone through the school resource officer training, which apparently they don't do in South Carolina, but many uh, states do send their officers to schools because they're not dealing with a street encounter. They're not dealing with a, you know, a, a street criminal here when you're in a school setting, especially high school. These are minors. The best scenario would have been for him to get rid of the audience. In other okay. words, ask the teacher to send the class out and then sit there privately with her and talk to her and say, hey, what's going on? You know, this is ridiculous. You're just being stuck in here. What's good? Is there something else going on in your life? Would yes. you maybe just have a conversation with her and, you know, and, and, and get what's behind this because obviously something else was. She was being stubborn. She yes. wasn't doing anything wrong, but she had to mind authority. She's in school. She was being insubordinate. So just get to the bottom of it. That would have been the best way. But I think South Carolina should send their school resource officers, if indeed they don't, to some sort of training. You know, and I don't did... take the 
street tactics into the court. Yes, and I did find out it seems like I think there are only one of few states that does not do the official training um, that's suggested by the School Resource Officers Association. So um, you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that's why Officer Phil did what he did, but I think that's interesting to note that they're one of the few states, from what I understand, that does not um, do that, you know, because it seemed, again, to many people that saw it, it clearly went too far. You know, I've got to ask you this, because this is what baffles me, okay? Why was the young lady videotaping it on her cell phone? Why was she arrested? Because I think now, I, I guess I'm most confused, because was she arrested because she was, you know, interrupting a police officer's duties? She also got arrested, but she's been released. No, there was no basis for that. He was just, he was acting out. He was angry. He's like, yeah, you're coming too. Okay. Shut up, you're coming too, something like that. No, there was really no basis for that. She, I mean, she, maybe she shouldn't have had her phone out videotaping in, in, in class, just like the, the victim here was supposed to put her phone away. But that is such a small, but small potatoes now in light of what happened. That, yes. You know, I don't, I don't think she did anything wrong. You know, for those who are in school or have kids in school or nieces or nephews, bath, or those who are just adult citizens in the United States that go to the grocery store or go to work or go to court, if you will, do they have the right? to videotape a cell phone because, you know, we've seen this before. I even think the gentleman who videotaped the Eric Gardner situation, we know his unfortunate, untimely death with the chokehold situation in New York City, you know, I think he had gotten some legal trouble, too, uh, regarding something around the cell phone footage. Are we able to videotape a crime if you believe it's a crime? Well, the general answer is yes, absolutely. But you have to make sure that you are not, say, trespassing or in a private place. You're in a place where you have a right to be. Okay. On the street or in your car, you have a right to be there. And you also have to make sure that when you're video recording, that you're not doing anything to obstruct justice. In other words, you're not standing a little bit too close to the situation and getting in the way of the cops. Okay. You know, just obstructing justice. Don't obstruct justice and be in a place where you have a right to be. Okay, so but you're saying you're within your rights. As long as you have a right to be there, you're not obstructing any justice or breaking any laws. Right. You can videotape a police officer or a government official if it's in a public place doing something. Yes. Okay. As long as you have a right to be there, you're not invading someone's privacy, you're not trespassing. So you're there in a public place and you're not obstructing justice, go for it. Beth, we always love having you on, offering your legal advice here on Let's Talk America with your host, Shana Thornton, where we offer talk radio and news talk with substance. You know, Beth, as you know, there are some concerns about policing in various communities throughout the United States. There are people that don't like hearing that, but I think ultimately that's the truth, okay? If you're a community member and you believe there's an issue, perception is reality. What needs to be done to unite these two forces? Law enforcement, we know, is necessary in the world. We know that. We get it. But community members also should ideally feel safe and trust their law enforcement. And you know we've come on this show a handful of times talking about situations from Ferguson to Eric Garner to Walter Scott. 
Now we're back again where there are a lot of individuals, not all, but a lot of individuals that say that cop went too far, it was unnecessary. And even I want to bring up Sandra Bland, talked about that too. What are your thoughts? What can be done to unite the force? I know you're not a police officer, but as a prosecutor, you work with police officers. I'm sure you know them. And a lot of them, I personally believe, are good people. But what can be done about this relationship? I, too, um, believe that cops, you know, most of them are very good people, and I, I think what they do is, is very noble because they're out there protecting us. Okay, yes. There really there does need to be community outreach. There needs to be contact with police that is not in a confrontational way. In other words, events, you know, interacting with your, with your you know, cop on the beat okay. more. And I know that some police departments have done that successfully, and, and it really has helped uh, to reduce crime and it's helped relations. But there's a lot of work to do, and it needs to start at the, you know, local grassroots level. There just needs, there need to be community events where people can interact with and talk to their police officers, not ever feel threatened, and not, not, not be in a, in a potentially criminal, you know, I see. confrontational situation. I mean, that's one one way, one avenue that I think could go a long way to to healing. But we're we're still a long way away, and we don't want police keeping their guns in their holsters when there are crimes that need to be okay. prosecuted people who need to be arrested. You know, we see crime going up in some places because yes, we do. allegations of police slowdowns because they're so afraid. They're afraid that they're going to be caught on video or someone's going to make this allegation. It's okay, all right, the community is going to, you know, attack us and we're just not going to do our jobs. You're absolutely right. I think the Attorney General and others with the FBI recently um, came out and said crime is up, a disturbing rise in it, in a lot of major cities, or rather some major cities, throughout the United States. And one theory that I know was offered, um, and I believe this was head of the FBI, said that because there may be some hesitation on law enforcement officers to react um, based off of not, like you said, you said so eloquently, um, being caught on video. Let me say this, though, Beth, just to, to play the opposite of that for you, devil's advocate. But you know what someone, a community citizen, would say. But if you're doing the right thing, why would it matter? Correct. That's the answer. That's right. And I don't know the reason why crime is going up. It might be what the FBI says. But crime is cyclical. Okay. It's cyclical. I have seen it go up and down in my 30 years in New York City. It was at an all-time high when I was prosecuting yeah. almost, you know, almost 30 years ago. So it, there may be other reasons for it, not, you know, not because they're necessarily you're, okay. you're recording. And if you're recording, and I make, it, it, the point you make is exactly right. If a cop is not doing anything wrong, then, you know, what? why? You should welcome it. Okay. Wow. And I know, to piggyback on that, another fact, they're saying that a lot of agencies throughout the United States, law enforcement agencies, are having problems recruiting new prospects. So uh, you just think that some of this, some of the coverage or what's happening in the media has something to do with it. I don't know. And when I say happening in the media, the reality that you have law enforcement officers being caught on tape doing wrongdoing. Now, that's not all cops. Uh, but I would say this, and, and I go back to the Walter Scott case, which you came on and shared great information with us on, Beth. You know, what we saw as a nation from that video was a police officer shooting a fleeing gentleman. 
he was running away from him. And I think any way you try to toss that, that's disturbing. So when people say, well, you know, it's the media and they're blowing this out of proportion, but someone died. Okay, Eric Garner, someone died. And, you know, for many that are just reading the headlines, Beth, they may be, well, that's just someone else, and he could have been a criminal, and I don't know. But we do want to remember, just like all of us listening to the show right now, to my voice and Beth's, there's someone's brother, there's someone's neighbor, there's someone's friend. And I, and I would like to think, and I'm sure this is the case for most law enforcement officers, if you don't have to take a life, you shouldn't. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the cases you talk about just turn my stomach. You know, it's just uh, so so sad. No, you shouldn't. I mean, even it wasn't taking a life, but the awful takedown of James Blake, a tennis yes. star, you yes. know, in Midtown Manhattan, yes. far from where I am right now, was like shocking. Was that necessary? You see, you smiled at the cop, thinking that you know it was a fan or uh, the yes. cop. So, uh, anyway, no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't take a life if you can't. Of course not. If you can um, somehow handle the situation in a in a non fatal way. But the Scott case, uh, just and Eric Garner, just make me feel so bad. Yeah, those are the ones I think that. Certainly a lot of people continue to question, and back to your point about uh, former U.S. Uh, top player James Blake, I guess one thing that comes up, and, I, and when I have listeners reach out to us, it was a takedown over a suspected cell phone that was missing. That, these are the type of things I think that some people continue to bring up when you're talking about the disconnect between law enforcement and the community members. Because this was all over a cell phone that was missing or someone had reported stolen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean, Blake wasn't running away or anything. Yes. He was sitting against the building, smiling. So just looking ahead, um, right now, November 30th, is a scheduled date for the first trial of the six Baltimore cops charged okay. in yes. And the first cop, at least according to my information last week, is William Porter, the first one to go to trial, okay. African-American. Now, they all have separate trials because they were all, uh, they're all alleged to have done different things. You know, they weren't all six in one place. Yes. Um, you know, some put them in the van and some were there at the end and one of them was driving and so everyone had different roles and so it's like it's, they're getting separate trials. So the first one starts November 30th. We'll, we'll see. You know, wow, what will come from that? We're going to watch that case closely. You know, Beth, talking about that before you leave us, the Freddie Gray case, uh, with that, there was a civil suit that's already uh, been determined. I think that the city council of Baltimore approved it at the mayor's request, I believe, and uh, there was a group that helped lead that. Will that millions of dollars paid to the deceased Freddie Gray's family. Do you think that will play any part in the criminal charges of the criminal case, or it will be looked at independently? Well, you know, some judges allow jurors to know that there's been a civil a civil um, suit filed or it's unusual for it to actually have been disposed of, meaning settled or gone to trial before the criminal. That is unusual here, but you're talking about a public entity being uh, being sued and, and settling. So the court may l let the jury know about it. So jurors will know that regardless of their outcome, the family has, regardless of what the jurors say about what the cops did, whether they're acquitted, deadlocked, or convicted, the family has had something, you know, to compensate them. Okay. Pretty great death. But I don't, I don't know if the rules of evidence in Maryland at this point will uh, allow the jury to know about it. 
okay, we'll just have to watch and see, and we'll have you back on to talk about that case that has been under a lot of scrutiny also. Beth, thank you so much for joining us. Again, we just spotlighted the student incident in Columbia, South Carolina. I know that city very well. Uh, Spring Valley High School, been there before a handful of times also. Um, a great community in that area. Beth, how can our listeners from everywhere uh, reach out to you or connect with you? Well, I have a couple of websites. My personal website is bestcaris.com, and then I operate a subscription website called carisoncrime.com, and that's where I shoot videos and podcasts and post court documents and write blogs, and you can follow cases, and the Freddie Gray case is one that I'll be following um, and, and blogging about and, and shooting videos just of my analysis and answering questions, and I post them on my website as well. But that's a subscription site, $5.99 a month. Okay. And it helps me to sort of run the site. Okay. Beth, thank you so much. We're going to have you back on, and we love having you on. Your mind is, it continues to amaze me. Thanks for staying in touch with Let's Talk America Radio. Thank you, Shana. You take care. What a conversation, again, with legal mind Beth Karras. We are not done yet. I have a seasoned and veteran law enforcement officer with me. I have Officer Charles Wilson. He will join us in a few seconds. Right now, I want to get to another caller expressing views about the situation that happened, again, in Columbia, South Carolina. Stay with us, and remember to hashtag LTA Radio right now on the various social media outlets. LTA Radio is in your ear. Do Black Lives Matter? Apparently not, because you can get thrown around like a rag doll in your desk sitting in a school, and everyone thinks it's your fault. Congratulations, on-air personality Shana Thornton, on being named the recipient of the 2015 Bold Award in Human Dignity. Your journalistic work on spotlighting the leading topics and people of today makes a difference. Keep up the great work. Listeners of your national award-winning family radio talk show, it is Tuesday night, and we are continuing the conversation about police, law enforcement here in the U.S. in 2015. We want to be as objective, as fair as possible, covering all angles of this important topic. It's been in the media under scrutiny lately, talking about the police. Many have tagged policing the police. Uh, Right now, I have an individual. He's a veteran law enforcement officer. He's been in law enforcement since 19. I have Lieutenant Charles Wilson on with me. He is the national chairman of the National Association of Black Law Enforcement Officers Incorporated. How are you doing this Tuesday night, Lieutenant? Doing fine, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, You know, we just got off the um, line. We had a very important interview with a lawyer, an attorney. She was a prosecutor um, also in the past. Now we're talking to you, your police. Um, There has been a lot of coverage, as you know, lately about policing um, here in this country, Uh, from the Eric Garner chokehold death in New York City to the Walter Scott shooting in Charleston, South Carolina, to the young student being thrown from her chair recently, just days ago, in Columbia, South Carolina. There appears to be some disturbing perceptions of police by a lot of people, sir. Now, some people say there is a disconnect between the communities out there and law enforcement agencies. Do you agree, Lieutenant Wilson? I would respectfully have to agree with that concept. But uh, what people have to keep in mind is that both sides of the equation have to accept blame for that disconnect. Um, Law enforcement needs to actively return back to the full tenets of community policing. 
one basis, working with them to resolve issues that uh, uh, most affect their quality of life, and remembering that our true task is to protect and serve. Uh, we as a profession have to accept that the institution of policing has been inherently biased against the people of uh, color and those of poor income, and that it was designed that way. Now, that's not the same in any way whatsoever that all police officers are biased because that's not the case. Okay. Uh, but we have to accept and recognize that many of the problems between the police and the community have been caused by the way we actually are the police. Okay. So we, we have to, again, start feeling people in the community as, as folks who have uh, an interest in safety that mirror our own. Uh, who deserve to be treated with respect and dignity, regardless of their feelings. And we need to take a more serious and sincere interest in their complaints and concerns. We need to recognize and accept that um, there's a few amongst us whose actions, behaviors, and attitudes have tended the badge they wear. Okay. And we have to get them out of our membership. Uh, we have to remember that in community policing, community comes church. Okay. Wow. You know, you said a lot, Lieutenant uh, Charles Wilson. He's on with us right now. He is a veteran law enforcement officer. Um, he's also been a police chief. He's worked narcotics. Um, he's been in the streets, obviously. Um, right now, I know this phrase of your uh, career, you're a lieutenant officer on a uh, college campus in Rhode Island. Tell me this. As an African-American police officer with decades of extensive experience, how has policing evolved over the last 30 years? In the 40-plus years that I've been in law enforcement, I've seen a number of changes in the system. Uh, training has become significantly better and more standardized. Equipment has gotten better. Uh, agencies are now uh, accepting and using uh, better technology to fulfill our functions. Uh, the hiring qualifications have been significantly changed. And there's been a greater attempt to bring about a, a, a larger sense of professionalism. Okay. Um, are there still areas that need improvement? Of course. Okay. You know, um, we, we've got to find a way to curtail what's perceived as rampant police abuse and misconduct. Uh, we have to strongly reconsider the levels of transparency that we provide. We've got to work uh, harder to make our agencies more reflective of the communities we serve. And we've got to make some better efforts to regain the trust of the community. You know, I want to talk about the transparency. You touched on that. Yeah. Obviously, when you talk about law enforcement um, officers, those individuals throughout the communities, um, they have weapons, right? And so uh, that can uh, obviously come down to life or death if that officer feels he's threatened. Now, from your perspective, should minorities trust law enforcement? The simple answer to that is yes. Okay. Uh, there, there has to be an understanding that the police are there to, to assist and protect. So people have to start by recognizing that not every police officer is a bad cop. Not every officer is out there with a get you, got you, got you attitude. Okay. Okay. Um, we, we also have to accept the, the reality that we have to obey the law. Uh, whether we believe the law is just or not, the law is actually there and designed to, to be a 
applied to everybody. Now, I'm not going to lie to you and say that it's done fairly because it's not. Yeah, we know it's not. Uh, but it, it is actually designed to be applied to all these. Okay. Uh, the community also needs to, to take in some responsibility for getting our own house straight. Okay. You know, we know who the drug dealers are. We know who the people are that prey on the elderly and, and the people in the community who are constantly ripping us off. You know, that don't switch the uh, attitude and philosophy that helps them and not us. Yeah, you're you're saying a lot. There's a lot of information you're putting on the table, um, and I hope everyone's listening intensely because obviously we had a lawyer that just joined us, Beth Karras, and now we have an individual, a veteran police officer. Again, we have Lieutenant Charles Wilson on with us. He is a national chairman for the National Association of Black Law Enforcement Officers, and uh, he's speaking and sharing some uh, very extensive information with us. You know, tell me this: How do we as a nation? Move forward, push forward, if you will, Lieutenant, with improving relations between certain communities and law enforcement agencies. We we know uh, there are some people, there are some groups out there that's saying there is a problem. Now, let that be known. There are some groups of individuals um, who say there's not a problem with police um, and the community. But we know there clearly are some complaints on the table. Um, but if someone believes there's a problem, perception is reality, how do we fix it? Well, I think the first thing that has to happen is the profession has to understand and accept that there is, in fact, bias in the system. Okay. And that the system that has to change. Uh, and, and they have to recognize that in order to gain the respect and trust of the community, they have to look at people as uh, being somebody who... who uh, is truly interested in what takes place there, and you have to seriously consider their concerns. Okay. There, there has to be a, a more aggressive effort to hire, promote, and retain officers of color. Okay. Diversity. Uh, you know, the, the community has to understand as well that they've got a role to play in that process. You know, start by recognizing and accepting that not every police officer is bad. All right. Uh, yeah, there, there's there's a few who do not deserve to wear the uniform, but they're the minority, not the majority. Okay. So they, they need to show police officers respect for the good things they do in the community, but in the same sense, report them for the bad things they do. You know, both sides have to learn to reach out and talk to each other on a continuing basis, not just when there's a perceived problem. Lieutenant Wilson, before you leave us, any advice for those listening in right now, okay, someone listening from Columbia, South Carolina, perhaps just blocks away from Spring Valley High School where that young lady was uh, thrown in the chair, okay, in that desk. Um, and there are obviously many parents who looked at that video, um, and their hearts dropped, okay? They were very concerned about what they saw, though. Um, there are those who have seen uh, videos that have gone viral of individuals who have been stopped. Um, and they have perceived that the person was mistreated or stopped um, for what a lot of people would consider minor causes. Maybe they would not have stopped someone else for the very same thing. Any advice, any guidance, as a man who spent 40 years in the business of uh, policing, okay, taking care of our communities, those listening in right now that are concerned about their safety, if they're stopped by the police, if they're approached by the police, what would you say to those individuals of any age? 
a very important one, a critical one. This conversation is not over. We will continue to have these conversations um, as we continue along this path. But right now, we're so thankful. We're going to have to have you back on. But again, thank you, Lieutenant Charles Wilson, a national chairman of the National Association of Black Law Enforcement Officers, okay? Keep sharing your information. The Orange Zebra is a new children's book written by award-winning teacher, Cherie Hardy that teaches children about accepting their uniqueness. When 11-year-old Leah and her younger sister Zoe make good grades, their beloved Aunt Grace takes them to Bush Gardens. The girls learn about the different kinds of beautiful animals from Africa, but Leah learns much more. Aunt Grace teaches her a lesson about loving herself and embracing her uniqueness through an interesting story about an orange zebra. Get your copy today for a special child online through Amazon and eBay. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us this Tuesday night, November the 3rd, 2015, as we put the spotlight on a very timely incident. Stay with Let's Talk America Radio. We continue to present the news stories that matter to you, okay? Again, I want to give you a friendly reminder to visit our website for information on our upcoming show and also expert guests. And there you find out so much more information about the entire Let's Talk America team. That can be reached by simply visiting www.letstalkamericawithshanathornton.com And remember, when you're listening in, if you're listening in live right now or listening to my voice on a replay podcast, rewind. Please always hashtag LTA Radio, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, Facebook, whatever you like to be on. Go ahead and hashtag us, okay? Well, it's been a great show, and we're going to have to talk next week. But if you know us at this show, you know we love great conversation and awesome music. And tonight we have a selection from Vassel Belcher. And this is a holiday selection. Believe it or not, we're in November already and the holidays will be here soon. So, hey, we're giving you an early push to get you in that holiday spirit. Okay, so Vassel Belcher will close us out and take us home. 
reach out to us for anything, you can simply email us at letstalkshana at gmail.com. We love hearing from all of our listeners. Do know that. All right, everyone, have a great and productive week and keep the conversation going. Let's Talk America with your host, Shana Thornton, is an entity of Pageant and Thomas Enterprises, LLC. All content original, copyright 2015.
Lady Vonsell Belcher. You can also contact me on my website at LadyVonsellBelcher.com. And today I am just so elated to be on this broadcast and on this platform that has been uh, there made convenient for me. And you are listening to Let's Talk America with Sheena Thornton. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.